and we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at bat at C70 on Twitter. And with me, as always, is Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. It is, um, this is our holiday edition, as I was telling Tara right before we got on, just to make sure she realized that uh, tomorrow is, of course, <laughs> which she did. And, and we're working on it. You know, she's getting there. To be um, fair, but- dates are irrelevant right now. It is true. I mean, for, for very many people, for you and for so many, um, every one day seems like the next. Um, and so it's hard to know. But tomorrow is May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day, as everybody knows when they know what day it is. Um, and this is Tara's first Star Wars Day as a person that has actually watched the movies. Um, I, I'm not going to say that Sarah's a Star Wars fan, but she at least knows what we're talking about now. So, I, Tara, I'm assuming you probably don't have any major plans for tomorrow. But if you do, or now that you know that Star Wars Day is tomorrow, what are you going to do to celebrate? Maybe we should ask people what my plan should be since I just found out what day it is. Um, but I had thought about it actually earlier in the week when I when I was aware of what day of the week it was. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I'm going to go all out, but I do feel like I should, you know, pay tribute with at least one of the movies. Um, So let me ask you, if you were going to watch one movie, what is the one you would choose? You know, you can never go wrong with the original, obviously, because that's where it all all began and all started. Yeah, and that's usually kind of my default where if I want to throw Star Wars on, I throw, I do hope on, that's usually what it is. Um, you know, that said tomorrow is the, you know, rise of Skywalker makes its debut on Disney plus. So true. can get to the ending. Um, you know, uh, you don't have enough time tomorrow to watch the entire clone wars, which is sad. See, I but, haven't, I haven't, been able to dive into that yet and you know how i am if i'm gonna do it i've started at the beginning and i have to go in order and i have to watch them all so it just feels a little overwhelming although this would be the time i think exactly. to do I mean, that you, this is the time you really do need to watch clone wars okay the kicker is and now here here's where i get get even geekier and nerdier than normal but the kicker is that the Clone Wars was there's a chronological order and then there's an aired order because it's it's an anthology series to some degree. And so there are stories that happen in season three that really take place before season one. They got a little bit better by the end of the season and you could just run it through. There is a list on StarWars.com that has them in chronological order okay. or you can watch them in aired order. It's kind of not- like the movies, you know, do you yeah. watch them in that kind of stuff? See, I'm generally a chronological order kind of person, unless there's like a major gap in time between the release of one to the other, because then it's just a little jarring when you see the dramatic difference in overall quality and style, which is in part why I watched Star Wars in release order, and also because I felt like I just needed to be true to the true to the series. Yeah. However, yeah. I'm in the middle of, not really in the middle, still at the very beginning of introducing the Marvel universe to someone. And I've chosen to do that in chronological order in part, because I think he'll put the pieces together better. But, you know, sometimes I question that sometimes I think "Mm, maybe this would have made more sense in release order, 
but I just I like the I like the logic of seeing things in the order in which they happen in the timeline. So I'll have to I'll have to give that some serious thought, and uh, maybe that'll be the uh, my diving into Clone Wars will be how I celebrate Star Wars Day. Maybe so. And again, I, I say this: it's it's really mainly you can watch a stretch of episodes, and then there's like one episode here, one here episode there that's kind of out of order. But you you know when you watch it you don't really know that necessarily. You're like, wait a minute, this character, but you know, but the clones, they don't, you know, as much as they try to differentiate them, sometimes you have trouble keeping them apart anyway. So um, I don't think you miss anything by going straight through and, you know, hitting season one and going forward. Well, or actually technically starting with the movie and then going forward. Mm. Um, But I have done it both ways. It's kind of interesting, but the last episode of clone wars comes out tomorrow as well. And these last, three episodes going into this fourth have been incredible and amazing and tie so hard into revenge of the Sith that, you know, I would say, I'd almost tell you to start right there, but you wouldn't, <laughs> understand. It wouldn't uh, you don't, you'd need the buildup to under to really feel the emotion of these last little bits. So I have to tell um, you all, I'm in a star Wars group chat on Twitter. <laughs> I never know what's happening in this conversation. <laughs> Once we got to the point where I had seen all the movies and the last one came out, we all all talked about that and I hated it for like four days and then I kind of got over it and I saw it again and I liked it a lot better. Now I have no idea what's happening in that conversation. (laughs) Yes. And and why is Tara in a Star Wars uh, group message? Because I put her there. Um, So um, that's that's my fault. But um, yeah, and then, when the movie came out, now yeah. I'm just like, I there's so much I have to learn. <laughs> and you made it through the Mandalorian, which is going That's to true. also have a it's like an eight part making of documentary that's going to start right. tomorrow as well. So I'm really I, so I think many that's options. so many. So I mean, much. you know, I almost thought about taking off work so that I could just watch all day long, but decided not to. I could do that um, if I really wanted to. Also, <laughs> Star Wars post up at the site tomorrow. Oh. I went, and I think, I think I got everybody on the 26 man roster plus a few assigned to characters in the sequel trilogy. Oh, nice. Well, you haven't read it yet either. So. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's delightful to Star Wars yeah. fans everywhere. That's right. It's it's something for it. Nothing else that gave me one more thing to right. put down on this every day without baseball theory that I have. Um, which, speaking of, we still have one. This is still a baseball podcast, even though last week we didn't talk about it, and now we've spent seven minutes talking about Star Wars. This is still a baseball podcast. There just isn't any baseball to talk about as much. Um, a few things coming up this week. There's some that was from last week that we really we would have talked about if we had had not had been on uh, talking about his, his TikTok and the round table stuff. Um, and so let's just get into that part because it's right in your wheelhouse and we've talked about my wheelhouse today. So let's get back into yours with the minor leagues. Um, last week um, there was this indication reports that minor league baseball was ready to, um, you know, maybe give on the contraction thing a little bit. Um, maybe a little bit more likely to accept it, especially after all this pandemic and having teams are probably hemorrhaging money 
this week, you know, there's this idea that maybe there's not going to be a season, that there was reports that they'd already decided and there's no minor league season. Minor league baseball pushed back on that as well. A lot going on with this, Tara. I mean, what are what are your major takeaways? Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, all of this on both of those issues, the contraction and the 2020 season, it feels a little bit like kicking the can down the road in that no one wants to actually make the decision that's going to be final, even though we have a pretty good idea that it's not going to be good once that decision is made as far as minor league baseball and its players and its staff and its fans are concerned. So it's frustrating in the sense that there's still no news. I can only imagine on the part of those players who may hear, I I would imagine they hear a bit more than we do just from the people that they know within organizations, but it's got to be frustrating to have no real idea what their summer looks like, what their career looks like beyond that. If some of these teams end up going away after this season. So it's, it's frustrating in that sense. I think to some degree though, this is kind of what it has to be at the moment, simply because we talked about this. um, I, I talked about this on chirps with Kyle and we've talked about it here. We've talked about it in other places that it feels really it just feels kind of yucky of Major League Baseball to take mm. advantage of the the pandemic scenario that is keeping Minor League Baseball from existing, at least as far as players on the field, and continue to push ahead with eliminating 25% of them anyway. It just doesn't feel right. So in that sense, I think the fact that there was a joint statement from Minor League and Major League Baseball was a bit of a concession both ways that they were instead of just these biting remarks back and forth from, from their um, PR departments, they were able to put out a joint statement, even if it didn't really say anything other than we're kicking the can down the road. (laughs) We haven't actually made a decision yet. Negotiations are ongoing. So uh, on that front, man, it's just, it's so hard to know all the moving parts of that because you're right. A lot of these teams may not be able to survive if they don't get to play this year. And in a very sort of cynical way, that might, that might solve major league baseball's problem for them. If some of these teams go away on their own and that would change the negotiating process, right? It's not good. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it, it feels right, but it is potentially the reality for some of these teams. And then Major League Baseball could align, realign accordingly. But as far as the 2020 season goes, and I know I'm sort of rambling here, but this is what I do when I start talking about Minor League Baseball. Um, as far as the 2020 season goes, it's really hard to make any official announcement about the Minor League season as a whole until Major League Baseball knows what they're going to do simply in respect to how many minor league players they're going to need to have active in some fashion as a bit of a reservoir of talent for the major league team. So we've seen players jump from double A to the major leagues during a season. Obviously the number of triple A players, they're not going to use everyone off of that roster, but they have to be able to field a team so that they can play competitively in the course of a typical season so that they're in game shape by the time the team needs them. There are so many options flying around right now as far as what the major league season will look like that it's impossible to get a handle on 
what sort of minor league season would need to exist, whether it's guys at the team facilities, kind of just like playing against each other, live BP mm-hmm. facing live hitters. Uh, we don't know exactly what that would look like if they would actually be playing the minor leaguers from the the same complex, from a, a different team or whatever. We don't know what that would look like. So we don't know how many players that would involve. I would imagine that some of that decision will need to be made. Well, I shouldn't say some of that decision. Really, that decision in its entirety will need to be made before an announcement is made about the rest of the minor league season. However, that's my long-winded way of saying this entire situation is bad for minor league baseball, especially when you consider probably all of the lower levels of minor league baseball are not going to happen this year. Yeah. And, you know, as we were talking about, even you know, minor league baseball is so dependent on fans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, major league baseball can get away with it because of the major TV revenue and all that kind of stuff. Minor league baseball has to be able to not only have fans, but be able to pack them in to some degree. Um, so it, it, and then you factor that and travel and all this other stuff in, it's hard to see how that works. Now, Jeff Jones put up a, a pretty interesting question i thought um this week because we know players like dylan carlson they're gonna be on that expanded rosters thing they're gonna you know whatever that that looks like whether it is either a fully expanded roster or like you said a you know a, a taxi squad or, or what players guys like that are, are gonna be there those top triple a kind of guys what happens to nolan gorman matthew libertor um guys that are down farther in the system, have a lot of promise, but may not have a season to play. I mean, do the Cardinals, you know, run the risk and and bring them into that taxi squad just so they can, you know, have the time, even though it may start their clock, um, depending on all the ramifications uh, that go along with that? Or do they send them home and hope that they can just kind of keep, you know, working out and, and hope that they don't get too much, uh, of their development stalled. You know, that's, it's such an anomaly of a question because they've never really faced this before as far mm-hmm. as basically shutting down a majority of your prospects who are not major league ready just yet and hoping that they come back looking like they did when they left, if not better. And there's no, there's no, workout plan for this right there the trainers and the staff are coming up making this up as they go along to some extent because there's there's no end in sight there's no resolution to it so the major league guys major league pitchers are, are on some sort of program that in some fashion allows them to come down a little bit and then ramp back up but no one quite knows what that looks like either so then if you kind of project that out over the course of a whole summer and then a whole winter. I mean, you don't want these guys doing any sort of damage by trying to do too much in order to get come back next season better than when they left spring training. But you also don't really know what that looks like and what that means. And, you know, with someone like Libertor, obviously – he he didn't get to where he was by accident so he knows how to how to work hard he knows who has worked with him well in the past i'm sure the cardinals are either in the process of creating or have already created plans for those guys if this continues to play out like we think it will but 
I can't imagine a scenario where it's particularly helpful to to almost rush those guys into competition they're not ready for if they're playing against what would be triple A players when they should be, you know, starting the year at high A. I don't know that that's going to be good for their development. Um, but I don't know that kind of working out at home and seeing what happens is particularly helpful either. So again, it, it sort of depends on on how many players Major League Baseball decides to allow in that mix. You know, if you can have some of those top tier prospects, prospects, even the younger guys who are at the complex, if that's where they end up keeping some of these players for the summer, mm-hmm. who could continue to work out with the team staff there and do something along those lines as opposed to trying to do it all at home. I, I don't know. It just it does get complicated. And and that's for the top tier guys who are even a part of this conversation. Right. What about those that next tier down? who may not be the top tier prospects, but are, are capable of being major leaguers someday. How do they go about preparing for what may or not may or may not be a 2021 season for the team they would have been assigned to if that team ceases to exist over the course of the next six months? It's so, it's so bizarre. And it's so unlike anything that these front offices and, and field staffs have ever had to try to figure out before. And I guess in that light, no one really knows what the right answer is for a Matthew Liebertor or even a Nolan Gorman or something like that, because they've never had to try to do this and not screw it up. (laughs) Well, and I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about the draft right now. It's coming up in theory next month and there's still a lot of decisions to be made about that. How many long, how long it's going to go and, and the money that goes along with it and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so many times those drafted guys go then and play at, you know, single A or rookie league or something, get their feet wet in in professional baseball. Um, you know, now not only have they, are they not going to be able to do that, they haven't played, you know, pretty much all spring either because the, the uh, college baseball or high school baseball, depending on where they were at, I mean, college baseball got a few games in for sure, but you know, I don't think high school baseball got much, if any. Um, so, you know, what did they do? You know, I mean, they're going to, they're just kind of, you know, winging it as well. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. And then, you know, like to go back to the, to the contraction thing, you know, you put out on Twitter, this something that I hadn't really given much thought of, but there are going to be people, teams that don't come back that, you know, fans left 2019, thinking they'd have a, you know, if nothing else, they thought they'd have a 2020, but yeah. I don't think contraction was really even on the, on the menu as it were when the season ended last right. year. And, you know, they're going to go from, Hey, this is normal every day. This is my team to that was the last time I'm ever going to see them because they won't be there when baseball picks back up in 2021. Yeah. And not only that, but in some of these places, they were almost turning this season into their campaign to not get contracted, right? There were places that were really rallying the support in their communities and doing a great job of it with with teams hoping that they could showcase what they are and how important they are to those communities and what a loss it would be by drawing those fans this summer. So in a lot of ways, it's it's just like a sucker punch to not only not get baseball, 
to this point in the season, potentially not get baseball at all in those towns over this summer. And if they do, not with fans in the stands, which is probably part of the reason that wouldn't ever work in those towns. And Mm -hmm. then at that, to potentially lose that affiliate. And, And you think about one of the most beautiful and special things about minor league baseball is the relationships that fans form with players on some level or another. I will never forget when the Cardinals were still the affiliate of the the Quad Cities River Bandits. Nick Martini was a player on that team who has since gone on to surprisingly make a major league debut like seven years later or whatever it was. He showed up with the A's. Is that right? And I was like, wait, that Nick Martini? That's still a thing? Uh, I like congrats to him for sticking it out because it was not an easy road for him. But anyway, he played for the Quad Cities River Bandits as a St. Louis Cardinals minor leaguer. I will never forget there was this little girl. Her family had season tickets. They were at every game that we covered. And every time he stepped to the plate, there was this blood-curdling scream from the fans. <laughs> and it was this little girl who was absolutely in love with Nick Martini. And when the affiliation changed and it became a Houston Astros affiliate, the Cardinals moved their affiliation to Peoria, where it currently is. I felt bad for that little girl because she wasn't going to get to see Nick Martini all the time. And I went to a game in Peoria. Nick Martini stepped to the plate and I heard the scream and I she was there. She had followed him to Peoria. Basically, her family had gone to see Uh, Because they had established a relationship with so many of these players, that one in particular, as far as their daughter was concerned. And that's one of the most fun things about minor league baseball. So to your point, there is a there is a reason that I'm telling that story. (laughs) To your point, a lot of these fans may have left the season thinking, okay, this kid that just got here because he was drafted last season, he'll probably be back here next year. We'll get a chance to see him again, get to know him you know, continue building this relationship. Often you see guys multiple years at the same level, especially at some of those lower levels, the younger guys. Mm -hmm. And then to not only have that gone for this season, but to potentially have that gone forever. And they don't have the chance to go see that guy play at another, at another team somewhere, perhaps it's, I mean, I don't know that that's, ultimately a good enough reason to not eliminate these teams if there is a good reason to do it obviously I've made it quite clear what my opinion is but my opinion isn't the only one it doesn't mean it's the only valid one and this isn't necessarily in and of itself the reason you wouldn't choose to do that but it's a it's a tough blow for fans of those teams who pour so much of themselves into getting to know some of these players and especially those who, you know, help them out and bring them gift cards and, uh, you know, take them to dinner or whatever it is. Cause we all know the minor league, the, the minor league struggle. And, you know, I just retweeted earlier a letter from a little boy and he and his dad were going to go to a bunch of minor league games this year and all of the teams they were going to go see, or at least the ones he listed, are teams that are now on the contraction list. And he did not hold back in his letter to Rob Manfred. This small child is my hero. Um, but it's it affects fans of so many different levels. The kids who form those bonds and kind of see their heroes as well as the families that get to experience all of that together. It's, it's going to be really rough if, if they don't get to have that moment with their team again. Yeah. I mean, I guess if, if one thing it is 
tells you to, you know, appreciate what you have while you have it. Um, Aren't we learning know. that? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're learning. A few of us are, are getting that, uh, uh, I think, because you never know what's uh, what the next day brings, you know, yeah. whether it's a pandemic or anything else. So, um, but you're right. I mean, you shouldn't should be forced into that, I guess, is put it that way. Um, you should be able to, you know, to have a reasonable expectation that your team is going to be there next year when, you know, and again, I get that, you know, sometimes ownership changes and affiliation changes and things like that happen. And, you know, maybe when you left, you know, at the end of 19, your team might not have been there in 20 either, in, no matter what the situation was. But usually you have a little bit more information, more idea of that's going to be a possibility. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's tough for those teams and fans and communities. And, um, you know, it's something that I think would have gotten a lot of focus this year. Um, in a normal year, I think there have been a lot of people, you know, advocating for the minor leagues and things of that nature. And, you know, highlighting a lot of the great things that were going on down there. And like you said, the teams were, you know, campaigning for, you know, just to stay, to stay relevant, to stay active. Um, but now it's, I mean, everybody's got a little bit different focus now. And, and I don't see how that ever comes back to the point where there's going to be this public groundswell that might change Major League Baseball's mind. Yeah, I think there was a trajectory for that. There was a path to that becoming reality at some point. It's certainly been derailed. And that doesn't mean that it won't change. I've said this before. I'll probably continue to say it. My sort of expectation is that teams will be contracted. It just may not be the the full 40 teams or whatever it is. They may Mm -hmm. pull that number back and that'll be sort of minor league baseball's, I guess, relative victory at that point. And look, I've, I've been reminded in the last week or so that there is an argument to be made for the, the quality over quantity in minor league baseball. And, and I don't necessarily agree that that's what will happen when you contract these teams, but there is an argument to be made for that. I think it's, it's difficult for me to give major league baseball as a business, the benefit of the doubt, because they have a bit of a track record that, uh, that leads me to believe they don't have the best interest of the game in mind. Um, It's typically driven by the best interest of the owners, which is frustrating, frustrating from, you know, the perspective of someone who loves the game for the game's sake, not for the, the big business that it has turned into, but that it's, it's going to continue to be a story. I think, I think the one silver lining is that more people every day are talking about minor league baseball and Mm. whether it's how much money the players make, whether it's the travel conditions or the living conditions or the food that they end up eating that isn't good for them as, as elite athletes. If it's the way that, you know, they're forced to kind of sacrifice their um, ability for the sake of, you know, making sure that they eat something that night or whatever it is. All of that is good for people to know from an educational standpoint. And and quite frankly, I think it's what pushed some of these teams over the top in their willingness to consider this whole contraction issue. And and that's, it's weird to say that that's progress (laughs) because it seems like, oh, well now we brought this to, to their attention and it's, it's actually way worse 
for a lot of those players who aren't going to have a job if they go through with this. But at the same time, it has created a lot of opportunities to talk about this and to, to sort of become more aware of this game that we all love and we pour so much into, but it goes so, so much beyond the guys we see at the major league level, right? That's a fraction of the number of players employed by a major league team. And, you know, the majority of guys, I think it's, you know, over 200 players for most teams that are employed at, you know, below the major league level. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about those guys and talking about the the situation that major league baseball has created. And, you know, I, I don't know. I always feel like I have to caveat this probably not on this show, but just in general, yes, I know there are other injustices in the world. There are more important causes just sort of on the surface of baseball versus other things. But this is what we're talking about. It's a baseball podcast. And in the realm of baseball, this is a this is a problem. And it is is becoming more and more relevant because more and more people are becoming aware and seeing that it's it's not a good look for Major League Baseball to Um, sort of let this go in the direction that it has for so long and players are starting to stand up and talk about it others are are starting to do that on their behalf and you're starting to see some major leaguers who are willing to kind of stand in the gap right now which is amazing but also frustrating that they have to be the ones to do that as we've talked about before so I don't know maybe I'm just looking for silver linings this week because I seem to be doing that with a lot of things in my life but if there is one to be found here it's that all of a sudden people are asking questions. They're getting information they didn't have before. They're getting angry about something that they didn't even know they needed to be angry about as baseball fans. And I don't know that it's necessarily changing for the better yet, but hopefully at some point it will. Hopefully so. Um, We'll have to, you know, it's again, one of those things, there's so many things that are just sitting on the, you know, the pause button. Uh, right now with with everything that's going on and once once things do get i don't want to say back to normal because that might be a long long time from now but you know somewhat more normal um a lot of these things are going to be hit at the same time and a lot of these decisions are going to kind of start happening quickly and um so until then we we don't know when that's going to be um but until so until then we're just kind of waiting but um you know, it, it doesn't make it any easier, I'm sure, for those, especially for those teams and communities that are just, just sitting there with the, the guillotine sitting over their team. So right. uh, it's difficult. Um, unsurprisingly, because we've talked Star Wars and the Miners, uh, we've already hit the 30-minute mark. But before we uh, wrap it up, let's do talk about the one bit of cardinal news that came out this week. Um, Yadier Molina interview with uh, a reporter says he wants to play two more years, um, says that he'd like to play them in St. Louis. It's not a requirement that he plays them in St. Louis, um, that if St. Louis doesn't offer him the right thing or doesn't want him, then he'll go play somewhere else. Um, one, the first thing I saw out of this article that really surprised me was that Yachty said he was really seriously considering retiring after 2020 uh, <laughs> if everything had been normal. I have a little problem believing that since there was a whole lot of talk about extension in spring training. But um, do you think that if the Cardinals had said, no, we, uh, you know, we're done, that he would have actually retired at the end of 2020? I think if the Cardinals went out as World Series champions, he would have retired. Mm-hmm. I think anything short of that, 
he would not have. And whether that meant he sort of forced the hand of the Cardinals front office, which he's been able to do before, let's not pretend he doesn't have a, a significant voice in that mix. Or if he had gone to play somewhere else, I think he wants, he really wants to win another title. And I think he's looking at this year and realizing baseball may or may not happen, but even if it does, it's not going to be a particularly satisfying year. I don't think as a player, we talked a couple of a couple weeks ago. I don't know. That's my general term for some time in the past. (laughs) Sometime in the last 50 days. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a, a couple weeks ago about what a layoff like this would mean for some of those aging players, right? The Adam Wainwrights, the Yadier Molinas of the world. And I think if I remember what I said, I said this, if not, just assume that I'm remembering correctly. This is what I meant to say. Um, I think that what I said was that with Yadi, it, it could go one of two ways. He could get used to being home and realize that there is life outside of baseball, or it could fuel his fire competitively. And he could realize how much he misses being out there and make him want to play forever. <laughs> and I, I think that seems to be what I took from that article is that he's looking at the season realizing, okay, even if we do play, even if we were to win whatever the final game of the season looks like, it's not going to be a satisfying year for a player like Yadier Molina, who trains to play 485 games a year, something like that, more or less. And he's going to want the the satisfaction of a, a more normal season, whatever that looks like. And the chance to, to chase that, that championship that he keeps talking about. I think that that article really blew up. And in part, I think it's because there's not any other news. And in part, I think it's because anything Yadier Molina says, you sort of assume there's some sort of underlying conflict as a result because he doesn't generally he doesn't generally just do like feel good articles about what he was thinking the other day while sitting on his back deck. That's not the Yadier Molina way, right? He's the subtweet. He's the hash things out on Instagram in the comments guy. So for him to speak, you sort of feel like there had to be something underlying that made him want to tell that story, whether he's trying to, you know, strong arm the Cardinals front office or not, whatever it was. So it kind of blew up without allowing for the, the context that he provided, the context that later I believe it was Derek Gould provided, that he kind of softened that by saying, I think that we'll get something done. It just hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and also saying, and I, I shared this quote and it sort of got twisted around shocking, but evidently in spring training, he was saying something to the effect of, you know, if I need to share time with Andrew Kisner, I'm willing to do that, but I'm going to, train to try to win the everyday spot which i think is what you want to hear a guy saying right you don't want him to train to be a part-time player especially when he's someone like molina i think we are we all have a hard time believing that he would share time with anyone ever (laughs) but you know he was saying those sorts of things so it, it didn't sound like this there was this underlying you know volcano about to erupt but it was a little strange for that to sort of come out of nowhere in the middle of this desert of baseball news. Yeah. I think, you know, I think what Yeti was saying there also about Kisner was that he would be willing to split time with him in the second year of the contract, not necessarily in 2021. And Andrew Kisner 
may not be around in 2022 if Yadier Molina signs an extension. Um, but it maybe it's Ivan Herrera or whatever at that point in time. I think the, the reason, you know, we've had, because Yadi has said a few things in the past that have then changed as the deadlines or things come up. Mm-hmm. You know, again, he signed this contract. Well, it's a four-year deal. So I think he's done in, in 2015 for the 2016 season um, and said, that's it. Retiring at the end of this contract. Well, then he's Yachty, and, and he's still playing well. I mean, it's understandable. I'm not saying that he's wrong for these things to change, but um, it, it's kind of one of those things that when you start to, you know, it starts to get to that point, and then here comes Yachty saying, well, not quite, you know, because he did say, what was it, about a year or so ago now? Yeah. If the Cardinals don't want me, I'm retiring. Yeah. Which, you know, as fans, was what we want to hear. Oh, yeah, you're, you want the, you know, this, this means as much to you as, as it means to us. And you're not going to, you know, show up in cubby blue or anything like that. And then to now say, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to stay here, but I don't have to. Um, it's a little bit, I don't know, disconcerting. But I also yeah, think, yeah. you know, look, nobody's going to pay Yachty or Molina what the Cardinals will pay Yachty or Molina. Because sure. without... Without the history, without the, you know, everything that, that goes along with what Yachty is for St. Louis, he's a 38-year-old catcher with an average bat, and, and his and his defense is, is good, but not necessarily legendary as it was. So what's that worth on a, on a free agent market that is going to be, you know, ridiculously cold because of the fact that nobody's got any money um, because of this weird season? I, I think that... I think something will get done. And like you said, it was, it's more of a, you know, everybody gets worked up because one, that's what we do anyway, but two, there's absolutely nothing else to get worked up about. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's still probably going to be a yachty thing. I just, I think it's him trying to get a little bit of leverage and we'll see if the Cardinals try to take their leverage back. Yeah. I think if anyone can create leverage where there isn't any, it's Yadier Molina <laughs> in whatever way that he can. But you're right. I mean, I think there is a, a bit of a reality check as far as his overall value at this point. But I do think, and it, look, it's okay if, if you don't agree with me on this, but I do think that's been a little bit overblown this week. The number of people who are ready to write Yadier Molina off and you know, ship him to whoever wants to sign the mm-hmm. contract is mind-boggling to me. I mean, yeah. the the way that this organization, the way that this fan base sort of handled the whole Albert Pujols situation, I can't imagine wanting. I can't imagine the Cardinals wanting to let another legend of that era walk when they don't have to. Mm-hmm. And then to see so many fans who are just like, good riddance, we don't need him anyway. It just, it doesn't compute in my brain because of all that Yadier Molina has been. And the fact that once Albert Pujols left, I know that you could argue that there have been different people along the way, but Yadi kind of became the face of this team. And it's just such a strange scenario for me as someone who grew up, I mean, the the majority of my sort of cognitive time paying attention to the Cardinals, as far as individual players are concerned, Yachty's been a part of that conversation. And not all of it, don't, I'm not that young, but for the, lo- the large majority of that time, 
he's been a part of that conversation, not just because he was there, but because he was one of the best in baseball at what he does. And man, there are some people who are just brutal as far as their willingness to, you know, kick him to the curb because they're ready to see what else can happen. And, and don't get me wrong. We've all talked about over the years, how to get Yachty to take more days off (laughs) and let somebody else play. That's not going away, but I mean, the, the, I don't know. It just, it's been a weird week as far as people's reactions to that story and, and that possibility are concerned. Well, and I think that, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a function of, of Yachty and how good he's been because it's, you know, and how long he's been good. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people, you know, really think about the fact that an average major league catcher is, you know, batting eighth and hitting, you know, 220 or whatever yeah. like that. And hopefully has a good glove. I mean, yeah, there's some guys that have good bats, but for the most part, if you get a league average bat out of your catcher, you're doing all right. Um, and, and Yachty's pretty close to that. Um, you know, yeah, we've, the Cardinals have been blessed with some, some, some young, uh, prospects, Carson Kelly, who obviously isn't here anymore, uh, Kisner, Herrera, and maybe one of those guys will be that 300, you know, hitting catcher that can still be adequate behind the plate, but we don't know that. Um, and to just assume that, oh, we're going to. We're going to upgrade if we get rid of Yachty or Molina. That's not necessarily the case because even Yachty at 38 is probably in the top, what, 10, 15, maybe, you know, at least top 50% of catchers at age 38. So, you know, that just tells you what the catching position really is like that I don't think we think about because, you know, we've had Yachty or Molina back there for so long. And I also think. This isn't just me making this up. This is actually (laughs) things that people have told me as fans of other teams, fans who have faced the Cardinals. As much as we talk about the Cardinals for a number of years not having a fear factor in the middle of their lineup, teams hate Yadier Molina because he comes out of nowhere and destroys them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like We can argue the whole clutch thing if you want, but the number of times Yadier Molina has been that guy... And he does it when you least expect it because he's on like an 0 for 17 or something in the middle of the season coming off of a freak injury. He's the, he's the guy that a lot of opposing fans still kind of dread to see coming up to the plate in a critical moment in the game because he's had so many of those moments over the course of his career. Now, not every time nobody, nobody comes through every time. This is a game of failure as we all know, but for a team that lacks sort of a, a an offensive threat as far as consistency goes, he's still been that guy in the eyes of opponents that at least they're, he makes them nervous when he's at the plate with the game on the line. And, you know, I don't think that happens by accident either. So he's the career that he's had is probably not going to be appreciated for all it has been. And it's not just the Hall of Fame voters who undersell what Yachty means to uh, to the baseball landscape. Yeah, I mean, you think about Cardinal fans understand this because Cardinal fans remember Aramis Ramirez or Hunter Pence or mm-hmm. all these guys that always seem to destroy the Cardinals one way or another. You know uh, that that you know 
if they didn't do it every time, you would have sworn they did because all you can remember is those times where they have those huge hits against you. Um, and Yachty's that kind of guy for, I don't know, for other teams, for, for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I doubt New York has is forgiven him for 2006 yet. I mean, so um, those are moments that you don't get from just anybody. And again, there comes a point in time, I understand, that you have to start thinking about moving on. And if Yachty wants $20 million for his extension, then yes, it's probably about time to move on. Right. But <laughs> I don't think we're talking about that. I don't think he's expecting that. Um, I, I don't I don't think there's a need to rush him out the door necessarily, but um, it's an interesting dynamic. It always is with Yachty. There's always something, and I look forward to uh, your reports on his Instagram. Um, Watching as, it like a hawk. That's right. All right, we've gone long tonight, but um, hopefully you are enjoying the time. Um, We'll be back at you next time with, well, who knows what, whatever baseball will throw at us this week. Hopefully it's something good. Hopefully we'll have some positive things to talk about next week. But until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.